I get to do certain things because I'm lead pastor and I'm on stage. Sam, you were great this morning. Well done, son. It's a blessing and I'm proud to see you. Praise and worship God as I've seen. Have you seen my children praise the Lord? Man, heart beams, heart beams. Um, just a couple of things that I'll sneak in. If you're, if you're a man, then come and join us on Wednesday uh, for a social drink in the pump house, 7.30 till 9. Now, men, if you've got children that go to youth, I've been cunning. You see, in our household, we always have a discussion over who's taking and who's picking up. We both want to take, neither of us want to pick up. Well, actually, men, if you come on Wednesday, you can do both. You will so be in the good books, yeah? And you can make that go for months and months and months. Come, come and join us half past seven on Wednesday. In the beginning, God. Can you say that? In the beginning, God. Let's have a look at this. Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Most likely, the majority of us in this room have heard that scripture before. When I think of the word beginning, it makes me things, think of things like start or commence. It makes me think about time. And then I thought just how much we are governed by time. What time does the service begin? I don't know, your guess is as good as mine, to be honest. <laughs> or, we'll meet today at five o'clock. The match will kick off at. What time are you going to get there? How long will we stay? <laughs> That's usually the conversation I have with Claire. Where are we going and how long before we can go? What are we doing tomorrow? What's your plan in life? All of that is governed by time, and therefore beginning is only really understood as something that sits within time. Therefore, a beginning is only really understood as something that, that actually starts time off. For us, it's a movement of the sun across the sky, although sometimes it's difficult to see. It's because of this. It's because of this that we can say, today we will begin. Today we will begin. I'm often up before the sun rises, but we often say the day begins when the sun has got up. Ecclesiastes picks this up. This is from the Amplified. There is a season, a time appointed for everything and a time for every delight and, e and event or purpose under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to throw away stones and a time to gather stones. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from, from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up as lost. A time to keep and a time to throw away. A time to tear apart and a time to sew together. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and for a time for peace. Time, time, time. In the beginning, God. But imagine before the sky, imagine before the sun, before day, before night, before planets, before moon, before heavens and earth, the Amplifier puts it like this. 
In the beginning God, L-O-M, created by forming from nothing the heavens and the earth. Truly, in the beginning, God. Say it again. In the beginning, God. We don't have a way to fully understand that scripture. We are so governed by time and structures. Even now you're wondering, yep, okay, Ben's likely to finish on time. Or am I? All of that is governed by time. And we look at this scripture that actually says that before the beginning, there was God. There was no time. But before the beginning, there was God. We struggle to understand that. We read it and it just we skim over it. He has always been and always will be. The first part and the last. In the beginning, before there was anything, there was God has always been. Try and describe this without using any references to time. Just reading it. In the beginning, ah. Oh. Before there was, ah, oh, before. When there was nothing, no, when. You, we're so governed by it, we actually don't know how to describe God outside of time references. And yet God has always been. All these things denote time. We are driven by time, and yet this text tells us that there is something before it. And the Bible tells us what it is. In the beginning, going to need a little to and fro. So let's try again. In the beginning, Amen. Oh, he's doing one of those this morning. You know, don't you know we're brethren roots? We just want to listen. Don't get us to talk. In the beginning, always been. God was before all and he will be after all. God is the only external creator who has no beginning and no end. Why? In the beginning, Oh, you're kidding me. He created time, space, and all of that stuff. There is no other like God. We find it almost impossible to consider that before all of that, there was God. Okay, how do I try and comprehend that? So God humbles himself. Philippians tells us that God emptied himself, taking on the form of a slave, the form of the limited man who who would limit himself, and we know that as Jesus. Okay, so if in the beginning God is too ethereal, or just too much to cope with, let's look at it like this. This is Jesus speaking. Romans, uh, no, not quite. Revelations 1.8. I am the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning of the Greek alphabet and the end. The Greeks loved their language, their wisdom. They loved words. This would have had a significant impact for them. Jesus himself saying, I am your beginning and your end. I am your everything. I am your everything. Then look at this, the second part. Let's read it as one. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is... And who was, who was what? Before, before A, before Alpha, who is now and who was before and who is to come. Even Jesus affirms here what God laid down right at the beginning of our Bible. In the beginning, in the beginning, God. So because of this, 
everything and everybody has its grounding in God. You have your being in God. Its reality is in God. There is nothing outside of God. He's inescapable. The psalm says, is there anywhere I can go from your presence? No, because everything is intrinsically linked to God. In a few weeks' time, we'll look at being born in the image and the likeness of God. Everything is linked back to him because he was before. He is now and he will always be. I'm labouring because it's so hard to get that idea of eternity. That idea of always was. There was never a little God. God never grew up. God never got older. All of that is within time. And here, just in this one verse, we understand that God sits outside of all of that and he looks down on it as his created being. So now let's look at what God did. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This speaks of the vast expanse of space and all that God did. Look at this scripture, Psalms 147. He counts the number of stars. He calls them by name. Before telescopes, before any of that could look, millions of years, I don't know how you look years into the sky, but hey-ho, um, before all of that, God counted all the stars and has them by name. Job is coming up again. By his breath, the skies became fair. His hand pierced the gliding serpent. And these are but the outer fringes of his works. The skies became fair. So a different tra translation calls it the fringes of his garment. All the skies that we see are just the fringes of all that he has and all that he has done. We hear of him. Who then can understand the thunder of this power? Amen. Who can understand this incredible, awesome God? How do we try and picture everything that God has created? We're so fixed on this earth. We're so fixed in the here and now. Sometimes it's all that we see. So here we are. Kind of is there. Can you see? Surely... That's my house, because Google Maps had me there. I don't know what that is. Perhaps I was trying to get somewhere. All of that is God's. He created it all. And there we live in the United Kingdom. And that's as far back then as Google Maps would go back. There's all of the continents. And as we know that that sits on the globe and that it is, it is round. And we keep pulling out again and again and again. And there's the earth and there's the moon and there's the sun. And all of this is God's creation. All of those stars he's counted and he knows them by name. But that, that doesn't stop there. It, it keeps going. We are part of a solar system called the... Well done. And it doesn't stop there. All of those galaxies, all of those, although, there you go, so that's part of the solar system, and that's the galaxy called the Milky Way. And we keep pulling out again and again and again, and there are all the galaxies. We started right here in Shirley, Solihull, and we ended up all, he counts the number of the stars, he calls them all by name. I just wanted you to get a glimpse of all that is God's. This is what it means when in the beginning created the heavens 
And then he comes all the way down. I mean, all that expanse, all that incredible space, he comes all the way down and he creates his little rock. And then on this rock he puts little old me and six and a half billion other people for an intimate, loving relationship. Isn't our God amazing? Isn't our God amazing? Listen to this. The Milky Way um, has more than... No, hold on. The Milky Way and more than 100 billion galaxies are in the universe. Maybe as many as 500 billion. If you multiply stars by galaxies, at the low end, you get 10 billion billion stars. Or 10 sextrillion stars in the universe. A one followed by 22 zeros. At the high end, it's 200 sextrillion. My goodness, you're, you're focused on the word sex, aren't you? <laughs> it's just what it is, yeah? And man, 200 billion, billion stars. More, more stars than the grain of sand on the earth. More stars than the grains of sand on the earth. And yet he counts the number of the stars and calls them all by name. I didn't get a chance to research this, so there's a bit of a caveat, but what I just caught before I thought I needed to move on, do you know there are more atoms in one grain of sand than all the stars in all of the galaxies? Now, I'll caveat that, but I just love that, yeah? 200 billion billion stars, more than the grains of sand in the earth, and yet more atoms in one grain of sand. Caveat, I didn't have a chance to check it with university.com, but I thought that was... Interesting. God is the creator of all of this. Of all of this. Why? Because in the beginning, God. And we then zoom right in and we live here on this rock and we think we are the point. We think, don't we? We are the point. I know at 21, I was the point. There was only me and I was right. But we think, even if it's not individually, we kind of think we're the point. Our world evolves around us and what we're doing, and yet we see that in the light of who God is and what God has done. And it's like, man, we're nothing. I mean, I don't know which one. Somebody here will know exactly which one. But let's say, oh, but let's say that that, that one there is the Milky Way. I mean, how much more have you got to go in before you get to us? God created the heavens. And the earth. This makes, hold on, when we look at it in context of all that God has created, we realise that we are not the point. This makes the whole gospel story even more incredible. That a God who would make all of that, who, who seeks to come and dwell with us, humbles himself, gives up all of his super God powers and comes to live with us here on earth so we can have an intimate and real relationship with him. Wow, the gospel is incredible. The God who created that wants to come and live not only within us but walk alongside us. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that phenomenal? And that the tearing of the curtain in two and the giving of the Holy Spirit, we have a loving God who wants to embrace his creation who wants to embrace his creation and he's worried about my bad back. 
Worried's not the quite, quite the right word. I can, think, I can picture somebody who would pick me up. Ben, he's got worried. God is concerned about my bad back. He's concerned about Claire's bent finger. And yet he made all of that. You can tell the story. <laughs> this makes the whole gospel story even more incredible. That a God who would make all of that also seeks to come and dwell amongst his creation. In a few weeks, we'll look at being created in his likeness and in his image in a bit more depth. But for now, we have a loving, intimate God who gave up all he had to be with his creation and to die for it. It must break his heart when we turn away and do our own thing. Matt Chandler, pastor at the the village church in the United States of America did some teaching on this scripture. Um, and he said, actually, because of in the beginning God, we can rule out a load of stuff. We can rule out a load of stuff. And I need to read it. Dualism, which says God has an equal. It's rubbish. Because of in the beginning God and there was nothing else, God can have no equal because he created everything that sits under him. If it's helpful, imagine an org chart. He's at the top and there's no dotted line that goes across. Dualism isn't there. Why? Because in the beginning, God. Materialism that actually says that God is in everything. The trees has God in it. The, the sky, the sun. We know that that isn't true because God created everything. He breathed his life. He leaves his mark. But, but the tree isn't an aspect of God. It demonstrates his, his, his nature, his creation. But it isn't where God is. How do we know that? In the beginning, God. What's next? Polytheism, more than one God, can't be. Why? Because in the beginning, the Bible doesn't tell us that he made any other gods. There is none like him. There is only him. So where the Bible talks about a foreign God, now, I, I will ponder this a little bit more, but I came to this conclusion. Where the Bible talks about other gods, and it does, it's either something you thought were made up or a demonic power. But even a demonic power isn't God. Actually, a foreign god is something that you have created and assigned power to. There is no other god but Jesus. No other god but Jesus. No other god but Jesus. Why? Because in the beginning... Thank you for the five people who were with me this morning. Hedoism or capital materialism. It's ruled out. As what is enjoyable, hedonism, I did have to check, the pursuit of pleasure. Capitalist materialism, I want stuff, I want more, I want to create, I want to build, is ruled out as what is enjoyable is about the creator and not about us. Pleasure and wealth are not to be seen as good if they are rooted in self-indulgence or displeasing to God who created pleasure and gain. It's not about us. It's not about seeking pleasure, it's about seeking him. Existentialism, man rules himself, is ruled out because truth is found in the unchanging nature of the creator and not the opinion of the created. Let me say that again. 
Man rules himself, is completely ruled out because truth is found in the unchanging nature of the creator and not the opinion of the created. Man does not rule himself. Do you know why? Because in the beginning... Pantheism is ruled out. God is in, ev- is in everything, is ruled out because he's the creator of everything. He's called and he has called everything into being. We can rule all of these things out simply because of this one scripture in Genesis. In the beginning, God. He was there before all and therefore everything flows from him and has its life in him. That was the beginning. God was and is and is to come. But I think we'll agree. Here we find ourselves in the year 2020. Clearly, right now we're not at the beginning. Many thousands of years on from that time. So what drives us now? Why is all of this important? Because in our Western society, in the beginning, God does not equate to any understanding and seeking God's heart and bending and shaping our life around what God says is just not on the scale at all. Certainly not in this world. It is not rooted on that as my guiding principle. God and God's word is not rooted in today's society as its guiding principle. And we need to ensure that we identify any thinking that would take us away from God as our creator. We have to be on our guard. We have to be aware. We have to understand what this world is seated upon so we do not get blown away or swept away with a fast-moving tide. So we'll look at four areas that are traits in our Western society that we need to be aware of and we need to understand. The first one is relativism. This is what the West is swimming in. And if you don't realise it, you and I are too. Relativism states that the meaning of truth is relative, so that what is right for one person may be wrong for may be wrong for Another comments such as you can't tell me to do that or there is no absolute truth. The first time I heard that, Paul Miller said, are you absolutely sure? And I love that. Or that's great for you, but it's not for me. These are examples of how relativism influences our thinking today. And there is a point and a basis in which we can say, yes, it's right. And there is a point where it's just utterly wrong. Let me give an example. Andrea and I, set off for my house. Andrea uh, loves nature and the rhythms of the sea and the birds. So Andrea's most favourite way to my house is through the park. She loves it. She gets the most fulfilment and the most joy out of it. I love 1920s architecture. The way the bricks are done, the way the windows are shaped. My most favourite way home is to go down, down the Stratford Road and down Hazard's Green Road, admiring all these wonderful architectural points. That's my favourite way home. Why go through the park? You get mud all over your feet. Andrea's there, wading in mud, enjoying it. Her favourite way to my house is through the park. My favourite way to my house is through the streets. Both are true in that context. 
Andrew says, no, 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 Ben, 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 the quickest way to your house is through the park. Yet you just go straight on the diagonal. That's the quickest way. Ah, ha, ha. I have longer legs. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> I'm very tall. I am huge. And actually, I walk quick. And actually, going along the pavement, I can get a right pace up. And actually, I get home quicker if I go on the pavement than if I go through the park. I don't know what Andrew is talking about through the park. But Andrew says, oh, Ben, but you see, I've got not as long legs as you. And therefore, it's easy for me to go that way. Both are true. Do you follow? But of those two routes, only one is shortest. We can both enjoy different routes. They can both be quicker through different reasons. But only one is the shortest route. They can't both be on those two routes. And actually, it's a little bit like that with truth. But what I feel society seems to do is take all of those points and bring it into one. Well, that's okay for you, but that's not okay for me. I'm talking about the fundamentals of our faith. Not whether or not you feel that the Holy Spirit gifts are relevant for today or not. Paul Paul picks up whether, not, not the gifts are, but Paul picks up that you can have different truths in Romans 14. He calls them debatable truths. Matters. Romans 14, 1 and 2. Did I put the scripture up? No. It says this, Except the one whose faith is weak without quarrelling or dispute over disputable matters. And that was in the context of one person's faith allowing them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only something else. It says, it doesn't matter. It's, it's not the point. And if you want that to be okay for you, then that's fine. And if you want that to be okay for you, then that's fine. We're not talking about those things. We're talking about the fundamentals of our faith. Jesus says, I am the way, the and the life. There's lots of room for us to see things differently. But there are certain areas where as followers of Jesus, we just don't. We're not talking about those things. Relativism denies that there is one right. There are only stories and no grander story. It says that there may be many religions, but none are all true in all places for all people. And an attempt to claim that there is just one truth is a ruse to gain power over somebody else. Christian faith is at odds with that. Because we have Jesus who said himself, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the light. What, what else do we need to be aware of radical individualism? Everyone, this is everyone gets to write their own script. It goes hand in hand with relativism. What an individual wills or wants is the highest good and it is wrong to tell someone that his or her choices or beliefs are wrong or immoral. We need to be careful because we bring that view into the way we disciple And we say, all we need to do is love one another and affirm one another. No, we don't affirm wrong behaviour. But actually, that's where we can allow radical individualism to come into the church. And we just allow people to figure it out for themselves. God didn't put you as you. He put you in a family. He put you in a tribe. And he put you in, in a clan. And we work at it together. Post-Christendom, 
This means that the moral truths that Christianity teaches are no longer centre place or foundational to how we govern life and that they are diminishing more and more as time goes on. Fewer people attend church, they just do. Or church becomes what you make it when you want to make it and what you do. Um, It is... Yes, thank you. I will in just a moment. Fewer people attend church. Church becomes what you want to make it when you want to make it. Growing biblical illiteracy means we are growing more and more unfamiliar with the biblical narrative. However, when one moral framework diminishes, another one rises up. And by all accounts, that's a secular one. Now listen to this. I know this is a lot of information. But just as Christian society guarded its moral standard, so a secular one will guard its Therefore, it is highly likely that biblical Christians will find themselves on the wrong side of a secular society. Now we have a choice. Don't get me wrong, secular moral framework will look very similar to the Christian one. And there is a a lot of good in it. But it will not have God at its root and core. The book of Hebrews touches on something like this. It's written to, to, to a, a mainly Jewish church because the writer is concerned because the emperor of Rome, who had chucked out all of the Christians and all the Jews, now wants the Jews back because he realises that actually they weren't that bad. We just don't want these Christians. Now this was at a time when Christianity and Judaism looked very much the same. They talked a lot about Abraham and and all of the prophets there. It would have been so easy for the Jews to go back into Rome. All they've got to do is to deny Jesus. And the whole book of Hebrews go, no, who can, having picked up the plough and let it down, ever go back again? And society still looks very much like a Christian one, but we need to be on our guard because it does not have God at its core. Because this world is passing away. This world is passing away, post-Christendom. Oh my goodness, there's that word again. What are we going to do? The sexual revolution. What does that say? If it feels good, do it. If it feels good, do it in the realms of sexual activity, providing you are of the right age and you both agree, then why not? Parents, would you go and collect your children from uh, your children's groups? We're going to be five more minutes and then we will wrap up. The development of contraception in the 60s began to divide the connection between sex and procreation. If it feels good, do it. But this goes even further. If I want it, have it. It drives consumerism and the need to buy things to have a fulfilled life. You must have this latest. I fall for that all the time. They keep bringing out new versions of the same film and I keep buying them. And for most of us, there is a never-ending way to find finance, to buy what you think you need. Media and entertainment, very rarely now do we all sit down on a Thursday night waiting for our programme to start to what, 
to wait until then a whole week goes by before you can watch it again. Gone are the conversations on Friday about, did you see? Did you watch? Have you seen? What's going to happen next? Now we can just stream it and get them all all, and get them all on day one. How is this shaping us? How is this teaching us to manage our appetites, our sexual appetites, um, until we're married? Our spending at, at, at appetites, our entertainment appetites. If you want it, have it. If you want it, have it. We need to think about this because what all of these things does is it shifts the centre of our universe who should be onto me. In the beginning, God. And we've got to push back against that thinking and it is pushed back because it is rampant. It is never-ending. It is subtle. And we bring it into church. We put religious language to it. We put a, a priest's frock on it and we bring the thinking right into the church. And yet the Bible teaches that God is the creator of all things. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. He was and he is and he is to come. And our lives are governed around him. And finding out what he wants. And you know what? He wants good. He wants such good for us. But not what we define as good. I've got a bigger house as good. I've got a sports car as good. I've got two stone lighter as good. God says, Ben, you don't need all of those things. This is what good looks like. In the beginning, God. Father, you want a relationship with me? Yes, son. And for some, it's that awe, it's that awe-ness. It's been able to sit in his presence in great awe. For others, it's been brought up onto his knee. Why can we do that? In the beginning, God. And it's then all about, God, I just want to know what's on your heart so I can reflect that in my life. I want to know what you call good, not what I think is good. So I can reflect that in my life. In my life. We started within the beginning God. We've ended here. We have an incredible, awesome, loving, caring creator who created everything. He sat back and said, this is good. He then breathed his own breath into you and me, male and female, and asked us to look after his creation. He brought Adam and Eve together and made them one flesh and said, now look after one another. He then said, I'm going to walk intimately with you every step of the way in the garden. Do you know that he gave us that intimacy back when the curtain was torn in two and God gave us his Holy Spirit? In so many ways, we are not the points and yet we are the apple of his eye. He wants nothing but good for us. Not good as we would define it, but good as God defines it. We need to realise that we live in a world who, who's building their foundation on something other than God. We need to know that Satan is seeking to destroy God's creation however he can. If he needs to come as a being of light, bringing love to all, then he will. But there will always be a twist. There's some questions that will be on the website for you to ponder. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, Lord, we are just reminded this morning that in the beginning there was you.
You have always been and you always were. And you took great joy in in the creation story, whether it was days or years. You created all that we see. Every star, every planet, every galaxy, every tree, every grain of sand. Lord Jesus, we find our our grounding in you. We find our being in you. We find our reality in you. Lord, everything that is comes from you and is given by you. Father, let us shape our lives around you. Let us pursue understanding your heart. Let us pursue finding out what's on your mind. Let us pursue, Lord, a life with Creator God. In the name of Jesus, amen.